right now, we are joined by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? I, I'm doing well. A um, lot of stuff going on. I, I want to start with um, one of the reasons you couldn't join me at Insight last week was you, you were on the road. You had a very exciting trip, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit about where you were. Yeah, we, we went to uh, China, South Korea, and actually uh, stepped in North Korea. I was in the Blue House and crossed the line, stood next to uh, the North Korean guards in their Taekwondo uh, pose. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's an absolute surreal experience. It's just bizarre. Well, but, uh, no, we primarily went to China to understand their perspective on a host of issues. Uh, you know, their maintenance of the sanctions against North Korea, uh, our, our trade relations, which is uh, obviously in the topic. So, a very interesting trip. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, did you come away with an understanding that, that that China wants to be more cooperative on trade issues, or are we looking at a full-scale trade war? What's interesting, Jeff, is the majority of Chinese officials I talked to uh, told me that they really don't want a trade surplus with the U.S. Uh, there's a certain level of structural imbalance right now just based on the development of their economy you know they've got 1.4 billion people i'd I'd much rather look at china's 1.4 billion person mark potential than uh you know an adversary and i think uh, they're looking for a relationship that's a win-win type of opportunity as well Uh, they're they're not again they are a proud nation uh year history at least Uh, they were the world's largest economy when our nation was founded uh so so they've got a lot of lot of pride and, and they're not going to uh, be humiliated or lose face. I think we need to kind of recognize that in, in our dealings with them as well. But no doubt about it, they've engaged in trade abuses, and I think uh, President Trump is absolutely correct in calling them on it in terms of the, the Section 301 uh, investigation he conducted and the conclusions. And uh, you just need to work with them, uh, I think, the right way. Are you optimistic that something can, in fact, get done? I am, because first of all, it's the top priority is to get their complete cooperation on North Korea. Uh, President Xi cannot be pleased with uh, Kim Jong-un right now. Uh, he did some missile tests while President Xi was hosting the G20 in China, uh, conducted nuclear blasts when he was host- hosting the, the ASEAN countries. Um, they recognize that uh, a dangerous North Korea that could result in proliferation of nuclear uh, technology in in East Asia is not good for them. So they've been they've been enforcing the sanctions. We met with defectors from North Korea, fully understanding how how hard those sanctions are on North Korean people. But they were begging us to maintain those sanctions is really their only hope of uh, shedding the, the oppression from Kim Jong Un. So it's you know pre- President Trump's maximum pressure campaign has certainly brought Kim Jong Un to the negotiating table. Uh, we need China's complete involvement, and we obviously need China to be a more responsible actor when it comes to trade relations as well. To, to that point, when, when you were in South Korea, what was the what was the purpose of that uh, aspect of the trip? Well, we actually saw the North Korean border uh, with China as well as South Korea. We, we were in the DMZ. We were in the joint security area in the Blue House where the negotiations occur. You know, we actually crossed the line over into North Korea. It was really to assess the situation. We talked to the, uh, the prime minister of uh of, of Korea and no the premier and again just trying to get their perspective on on how they view things and 
they seem pretty rock solid too in terms of maintenance and sanctions to try and bring Kim Jong Un to the negotiating table in good faith. Senator, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you, you were actually on our air a little bit earlier today talking about uh, DACA. You know, President Trump declaring it, it pretty much you know dead in the water. You really do want to see something. You hope something's going to get done in this area, don't you? It's not a good situation where we have literally millions of people in this country illegally living in the shadows. It's just not a good situation. But I completely agree that if we're going to fix that, at the same time, we need to fix our horribly broken legal immigration system. And there's no better example right now than that caravan coming from Central America. We can build all the walls that completely keep people out in the walled areas, but wherever we have a gate, wherever there's a port of entry, because of our broken legal system, people can just walk right up to that gate, right up to those ports of entry, say, I have a credible fear of persecution. We let them in, we process them, we disperse them, and they don't, you know, we we never send them home because our legal system is so broken. Democrats need to acknowledge that and work with us in in good faith to fix both the whole issue of dreamers, as well as our horribly broken legal immigration system. Um, I I don't know if you heard it. Today, President Trump was talking about potentially using the U.S. military to help guard the U.S.-Mexican border to perhaps try to shut off exactly what you were talking about, people coming to the border illegally, disappearing, never showing up for court. Um, what, what What is your impression of using the military for that purpose? Well, I don't think it's necessary because... Again, let me, let me emphasize, our primary problem with our unsecured border, well, the root causes are insatiable demand for drugs, which has given rise to drug cartels. They're also the human traffickers. But the fact that we have laws on the books where people can walk right up to our ports of entry, say, I have a credible fear of persecution, and we, we, we bring them in. We don't send them back. We, we have no capability. Our laws prevent us from bringing an unaccompanied child and sending them in a humane fashion right back to Central America. We need to close those loopholes. We need to fix those laws. Otherwise, no amount of border security, no amount of barrier fencing is going to is going to solve the problem because we just let them in. And I've been down the border. I've I've listened to border patrol people tell me how let's say a group of maybe hundred families and, and uncompanied children get across Rio Grande, set campfires so that they're noticed, and literally complain to the border patrol that it took them more than an hour to to get to them to again apprehend them process them, and then disperse them around America. That, that's what our law does right now. That's what needs to be fixed. Senator, let, let's switch gears. You were on Meet the Press um, over the weekend, and one of the, the things that came out of it was you said that you thought that uh, Robert Mueller was perhaps appointed too soon. What did you mean by that? I've been very consistent along those lines. I believe in this case, whether it's the Clinton email scandal, the FBI investigation of it, those same investigators moving over to the Russian investigation. I think the public has a right to know. The public disclosure is, you know, by far the the most important aspect of these investigations. And the problem with special uh, counsels is that's the criminal investigation. Now, you know, Jeff, you're a lawyer. Criminal investigation, by and large, should occur completely confidentially. If there are no charges brought, nothing ever comes to light. That's not, I think, the primary. Uh, outcome that we need from these investigations. The public needs to know what happened with Clinton's email investigation. What happened with the FBI's investigation of that? What happened in terms of Russia's interference? And that's a congressional oversight that provides the greatest public exposure. Next to that is the inspections and investigations by the Office of Inspector General, which makes some of its findings public. 
the reason you need special counsels and prosecutors is sometimes you need their ability to impanel grand juries, to compel testimony. So you really need all three working together. But the minute you appoint a special counsel, uh, it gets, becomes very difficult for Congress and sometimes even the Office of Inspector General to obtain the information because you have an active criminal investigation. So it, it hampers that ability for the public to, in, in the end, find out what happened. Just so we're clear, though, even even if perhaps the appointment was premature, you, you have not called for Robert Mueller to be replaced or to step down. No, the only thing I've said is he is the wrong person because of conflict of interest to be investigating the FBI's investigation. And of course, we're seeing with Andrew McCabe uh, kind of retiring ahead of the posse. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the Office of Inspector General's report on, on his activities. But you know, we're seeing the text of Lisa Page and, and Peter Strzok. There's some there's some real possible corruption at the highest levels of the FBI, and a former director of the FBI is the wrong person to be investigating that. But uh, no, he should complete his work. I would have preferred to see the process play out, starting with the House and Senate Intel- Intelligence Committees completing their work, issuing their report, and then, based on their findings, if the special counsel was required, you know, then appoint him. It just it just truncated the process, and again, the. the What's going to suffer is public disclosure. Um, Senator, it's been interesting. Today is, of course, an election day in in Wisconsin. And, and I'm not sure in my memory I can ever recall a state Supreme Court race attracting as much attention from out-of-state politicians, um, whether it's, you know, Eric Holder, former Attorney General of the United States, to one of your colleagues, Cory Booker, to, you know, whatever. All, all these people wanting to play in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race between Rebecca Dallet, a Milwaukee County Circuit Judge, and Mike Skranek, who is the uh, Sauk County Circuit Judge, both running for state Supreme Court. Well, the first thing I should tell your listeners is get out and vote. Uh, we have to elect Michael Skranek so, so that we can maintain the legislative reforms that we've accomplished over the last seven years. The reason you see this kind of effort from the left is their ideology, their policies, they don't win at the, at the, uh, in the ballot box, and they can't pass through legislators. They're just simply unpopular. So the left realizes the only way to enact their policies is by judicial fiat. That's why they love judicial activists. Conservatives, we actually want judges, people that, as, uh, as, as uh, Justice Gorsuch said, judges that apply the law rather than alter it. And we have a classic example of that. With the, you know, Mike Skrenek would apply the law. Uh, his opponent, my concern would be she'd be a judicial activist and she would be altering the law according to her whims. I, I do think it is extremely interesting that the, the left – not only just in Wisconsin, but but a lot of the the far left in this country has decided that they want to bring out the the big guns to try to again make make endorsements showing that maybe this isn't a local race or a statewide race that that obviously some people nationally are taking a look at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I think Wisconsin has been kind of a thorn in liberal side. I mean, they they just view this as their state, and you know, with our success since two thousand ten. I want a Senate seat that nobody thought I could win. Uh, they don't like the fact that, you know, to a great extent, we've turned Wisconsin red, and they would like to they would like to turn the clock back. They would like to defeat those reforms that Governor Walker and the state legislature have enacted. And so this is this is sort of a a test case for them. They'd like to maintain their momentum. The resist movement is strong. It's been pretty successful, and that's why, again, I'm coming on your show primarily begging 
your Republicans, conservatives, get out, get your family, your friends, your neighbors, uh, get out there before the polls close. Let's make sure that we maintain a conservative uh, majority in the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It's crucial. United States Senator Ron Johnson, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. I do appreciate your time. Have a great day.